The following program is pre-recorded. From Buck Studio at Wisconsin Public Radio, this is Zorba Pastor on your health. I'm Carl Christensen filling in for Tom Clark, and I'm here with family doc Zorba Pastor. We're going to spend the next hour with you in our virtual doctor's office. Uh, we're missing the random assortment of magazines, though. <laughs> Sorry to say, Zorba. We're going to talk healthy living. We'll walk through a tasty and usually healthy recipe. But I can look through magazines when I'm actually looking at my phone <laughs> sitting at the doctor's office. Come on. There's a, a random assortment. Yeah. It's like an infinite assortment, yeah. assortment of magazines. It's very strange. And little, like kids' books and stuff. Yeah. All kinds you of know, stuff. It's just you don't have that old you know, drug-eared <laughs> stuff from 20 years ago. Please, go on. Oh, go sorry. On. Yeah, we got sorry. an intro to do interview. here. Yeah. Right. yeah, we got a tasty and usually healthy recipe. We'll get to some of your emails. Wait, wait a minute. Tasty and healthy. And healthy. Tasty and healthy. I shouldn't say that's usually. It's always yeah, healthy, uh, right? Always what about those cookies we do? A, well, you know, they're... Yeah, that's we an exception we won't, to the yeah, rule. We, okay. We, we, yeah. Right. <laughs> and we have phone calls too, right, Zorba? We got of phone course, calls. always. And always. the number to call if you have a question for the good doc is 800-462-7413. And along with those phone calls, Zorba, we have a few topics to talk well, about. Well, we're going to talk about sleep. Now, you have what, five children? Yeah, right. no, two, two, children. two children. Sometimes Feels it like seems five. like five yeah, exactly. children. So getting to sleep is really important. I mean, you don't. How much sleep do you get a night? I'm not a great sleeper. Well, that's that's an issue. So yeah. sleep problems have been linked to stroke and issues. We're going to talk about that, and then we're going to talk about chocolate. Chocolate. Why does it feel so good? Why is it something we really crave? Why do we like it so much? And we'll go into a bit about the history of chocolate in Montezuma, which I'm sure oh, wow. you probably learned about when you were a child or. Maybe you didn't learn about when you were a child. I think I learned about Montezuma, See, Montezuma when I was in Mexico, actually. That's right. Yeah, very important. And what is the special recipe today? Avocado toast with smoked salmon. It's delicious if you like avocado, if you like smoked salmon, and if you like toast. Who doesn't like toast? This is the recipe for you. Sounds great. To the phones we go at 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. Let's get to our first caller now, a listener in Black Creek, Wisconsin. Hi. Hi, guys. Uh, yeah, I'm Chris in Black Creek. Um, Where's, where uh, is, and I do, where uh, is Black Creek? And is there a Black Creek in Black Creek? Yes, there is a Black Creek in Black Creek, and it's just 15 miles north of Appleton. Got you. Scott. Okay, okay. I'll have to, so, I've never uh, been up there. Never been up to Black Creek. I haven't either. Oh. It's a one-stop light town, Zorba. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's okay. <laughs> uh, but, so I, I do have a sleep uh, issue, but that's not why I called uh-huh. today. Um, you know, I, I've tried the earwax candles uh-huh. uh, several times, and... It seemed because they were made of, I think, of beeswax and paper that that's the only wax that burnt down, and it didn't take it out of my ears. So I, I uh, now what I do is I use you know a couple of drops of earwax remover or softener, uh-huh. and then I I use a, a hot, not real hot, but real warm uh-huh. squeeze bottle uh-huh. in the ear, and then I take a little tool and. Be real careful on mm-hmm. digging it out because I can't uh-huh. get my elbow up there. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, but, but what people can't want to know, and I've talked with a lot of my friends, we all listen to your yeah. show, and I, well, thank I you. brag about your show. Thank but you. A lot of my friends are wondering how does the wax actually get in your ear? Good to begin with. And, good, and that's good point. So that's yeah. that's yeah. all it's I the got wax, for you guys. Thank you. It's the wax fairy. See, the wax fairy comes up in. <laughs> Deposits it in there. And deposits it in your ear. It's, you know, it's not just money under, you know, from the tooth fairy. It's the wax fairy. Um, uh, well, so first of all, let me, t- let me tell you about getting the wax out the best way. First of all, we generally generally say not warm water, not cold water, because people can get dizzy with that. If you don't get dizzy with the warm water, that's fine. But if it's too warm or too cold, it'll activate the semicircular canals in people and they'll get kind of dizzy with it. Um, and the key to it is you put lots of drops in the ears, like you say, earwax removal drops are good. Olive oil actually works, hydrogen peroxide, but the drops really... They they really do a job. And you just keep on putting them in multiple times so that the wax then becomes – it's sort of like penetrating oil. It just becomes smoother and easier and then you get it out. If you work with your bulb syringe, if you and your bulb syringe become buddies – 
You do it the right way. You don't have to use a paper clip or a Q-tip in the ear, which might push that other stuff in there. So that that's one thing. Now, the candling, I have no idea why anyone would want to. Weren't you worried when you candled your ear that you were going to burn your hair? You, you almost had to have somebody assist you that's and they right. put a piece of aluminum foil around your ear I and mean, then poke it through there. I mean, th- I mean, think about it. We got a bulb syringe and we got earwax removal drops, ear candling. Why right. is it still there? Candling does, is out. How, how does the wax get into your ear? For, how you make does your it. body secrete? It's made by the external canal. Just like you make snot in your nose, you make wax in your ears. Now, why is it okay. there? Probably to keep out, I mean, believe it or not, even though we want to get rid of it when it gets to be too chunky. But it probably was there from an evolutionary point of view to keep out the dirt, keep out insects. Think about it. You know, you're in, you're a caveman, cavewoman. You're in the wild. It's very dirty. There are insects around. Wax would be protective to keep it away from the eardrum because the eardrum is so sensitive and so painful. And maybe too much noise. You bring up a good point. I hadn't thought about that. If the wax plugs your ears, it'll get rid of, uh, it will decrease the noise. Although there wasn't a lot of noise in ancient times. There had been noise all around. Have you, you ever know, heard a around. woolly mammoth roar? Oh, yeah, it's that's right. Loud. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Sorry. That pterodactyl. <laughs> sorry. Got it. Had to say Got something it. about all right. that. All right. All right. All right. All right. So, yeah, noise and dirt. Well, and hey, that guys, may be the reason. Thank you so much, Dr. Zorba. And thanks for having me on the show today. And thanks for listening. Thank you. Thanks so much. Okay, bye. Take care. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right, Zorba, our first topic of the day. Let's talk about a new study that looked at sleep issues and stroke risk. And stroke, that's right. So you've got a couple kids, and you know when you have kids, uh, getting to sleep is not that easy. It's not easy. I mean, especially when they're younger. When they get older, getting to sleep is a different issue. When they're teenagers, they just sleep at the wrong time of the day. (laughs) But, you know, but they're always, you know, they're in their room or they're sleeping. But when they're younger, it's a problem. Mm -hmm. Now, do you sleep well, or are you a light, quote, a light sleeper? I'm a pretty light sleeper. Uh, I think I do my best sleeping early, early in the morning, you know, mm -hmm. four or five in the morning. Mm -hmm. That's when I'm sleeping really, really well. And actually, when I, uh, I mean, I don't do hospital work. I'm not on call anymore. But when I was on call, the worst time to be called in the hospital was between 3 o'clock, generally between about 2 o'clock and and 5 o'clock for me. Mm -hmm. That was the worst time. I must have been in a deep sleep. 6 o'clock, I'm up and about now, you know, and I'll just get into it. But this looked at sleeping. Now, we, we sleep, of course, a lot of people snore. They turn. They nap. They wake up. Sleep quality. We don't really have a good handle on what it is. I've been asked by people about like the iWatch, the Apple Watch, and like, you know, people have said to me, well, it doesn't look like I'm getting good sleep on the iWatch. We really don't understand what this deep sleep is. We understand it when we put people in sleep studies, but the iWatch really measures movement of your arm and, and of your hand. But let's look at the study. Carl, when it comes to killing people, what do you th- where do you think stroke is? Not, what do you think stroke is? Heart disease is number one. Mm-hmm. Cancer is number two. What What do you think stroke is? Did you just set me up so I, I know it's number three? Because I'm going to guess exactly three. Exactly <laughs> right. You're going to guess three, and you you're are 100. percent You're making it easy ding, for me. Ring. We got to ring a bell. <laughs> That's number three. It's number three. But when we look from a disability point of view, it's right up there. I mean, cancer can cause people to be disabled. Many people that are cured of uh, of cancer, but stroke can disabled people. So the issue is what are the predicators of stroke? So this is a particular study published in the journal Neurology. There were 4,500 people uh, followed in something called the interstroke study. 1,800 people in that group had an ischemic stroke, which is caused by a clot. 439 people had a hemorrhagic stroke. Then they matched them by age, by sex, by previous history, high blood pressure, and so on. Generally, people who slept less than five hours a night had three times the stroke rate than people who got seven hours of sleep. This is a biggie. But now let me tell you on the other side, people who slept more than nine hours a night also had a twofold increase in stroke. Hmm. So it wasn't just at one end, it was also on another end. So there's some issues here. We know that sleep apnea can also be associated with stroke, but there may be other things that are also associated uh, with stroke that have to do with sleep in the first place. So uh, I've got some recommendations. First of all, you know, we think about a diet. I got to get my diet better. I've got to lose some weight. We think about exercise. When was the last time you thought to make yourself fit, you should think about sleep? 
I think actually quite a bit, but maybe that's just because I don't sleep very well at all. I worry about it all you the worry time. about sleep. I do. So what do you do about it? I just what time try to, do, What time do you shut off the lights at night? Oh, it's uh, – well, you know, once the what kids – What time do the kids go to sleep? Kids go to sleep around 8, 8.30, eight, somewhere time, between 8 and 9. What time do you shut off the lights? We probably go to bed around 11 because so, then we're going to watch our show or so whatever. So maybe 11 is too late. It maybe probably it should is. be 10.30. Yeah, I know. I mean maybe it should be 10.15. Mm-hmm. Maybe that extra stimulation when you watch your shows, oh, my goodness, the kids are asleep. We mm-hmm. finally have time. But maybe it's maybe we should be better. Maybe we should just go to sleep a little bit earlier. I know, Zorba. I mean, you know, I mean maybe it's time to get <laughs> – a half an hour more of sleep a night. It may keep you from getting that stroke. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. Call in anytime. Leave us a voicemail. And let's go to a voicemail right now. This is a listener in Whitewater, Wisconsin. I have a question about how you feel about uh, a vegan diet because I've been vegan for about seven years now. I went on originally because of high blood pressure. Doctor put me on high blood pressure, and then I realized that after taking that and going vegan for about a month or two, I was actually very low blood pressure. And been off it ever since, and blood pressure's been great. I've been able to eat all the sodium that I want, and I really don't find sodium an issue at all. And it seems like we're just constantly circling the drain towards veganism with the Mediterranean diet and getting closer and closer. So get some of your thoughts. Circling the drain towards veganism. <laughs> I love it. So wait, circling veganism's the in the bottom of the sink <laughs> or right. a toilet? The or bottom what? of the sink, circling the drain towards <laughs> veganism. I mean, that's, that's pretty that's, – that's right. Well, I think the Mediterranean diet is the king of diets. But I think you can do a good vegan diet. And he's a perfect example. He had high blood pressure. He went on a vegan diet. Bang. You know, all of a sudden his blood pressure was taken care of. Sodium doesn't seem to be an issue with him. Sounds like it's a good idea. And if you have a well-rounded vegan diet, you can do fine. It's a matter of getting enough protein. Well, beans are vegan. Beans are high protein. Any pulse, that's what they're called, pulse foods, beans, lentils, anything a pulse actually meant that it thickens soups are great things. And you can be on a vegan diet and, and do quite well. Now, I myself don't like a vegan diet because I'm an omnivore and I like the tastes of all different things. But everyone has different tastes. I think veganism is fine. I'm much more pro a vegetarian diet, which is a little bit broader because you can eat, you can have milk and you can have eggs. And then, of course, the Mediterranean diet I still think is the best diet around. Whatever works to get rid of our typical American meat and potatoes diet. What was your diet when you grew up? What did your parents eat? It was pretty meat and potatoes. Pretty meat and potatoes. Yeah, it was. What'd and your, with mother, a little bit of TV dinner mother, mixed in there. What did your mother like? Man, we all had TV dinners. <laughs> we all had Swanson TV dinners. I can still think about it when my mom worked at Weebolts at a department store. Thursday night, she worked at Weebolts. I got to have the TV dinner. And if I was lucky, I got to put a sauce on top of the chicken before I put it into the oven. Oh, it was just <laughs> heavenly. And it was in aluminum. Uh, what did your mother like to serve? Well, let's – there was a lot of like casseroles and stuff like that, mm-hmm. yeah. but they would make like mm-hmm. you know make their own salsas and yeah. so every once in a while my dad would make this yeah. uh, this thing that he called he called it Mexican blowout uh-huh. Mexican blowout and that's not the name I sounds tell you, terrible Mexican blowout is awful <laughs> the Mexican name is not we good. know I mean Mexican blowout <laughs> I don't think of food I have to tell you. From a naming point of view, we your work dad on that was name. a zero on the naming <laughs> scale. I'm sorry. He should have focus grouped that name a little I, more. I think I'll have some Mexican blowout tonight. But it was really. a great Come on recipe. over to the house. We're going to have Mexican blowout. I, uh, yeah. It was but, very healthy, actually. Yeah, or, I mean, other than the fried tortillas. Yeah, it was basically was like you deep mm-hmm. fried tortillas. I still make mm-hmm. it all the yeah. time. Deep mm-hmm. fried tortillas yeah. and oil. But then it was all chopped uh, vegetables oh, and nice. refried nice. beans on top. You make It's basically tostadas. Yeah, yeah. But you didn't have a blowout from it. <laughs> moving right along. <laughs> as, as Tom would say, moving right along. 800-462-7413. That's Sorry. One, <laughs> 1-800-462-7413. Call anytime. But before we take the short break, we have Zorba. Let's check in with your favorite do-gooders. Da-da-da. The Grammar Police. Okay, Zorba, this one is actually from a very seldom heard from sect within the Grammar Police. This is from the Pepper Police. <laughs> Mari in Grand Island, hot, New hot York. Hot news. There you go. Hot news. <laughs> Spicy news. Pepper, Mari in Grand Island, New York writes, uh-huh. Dear Zorba, 
I stayed silent when you mispronounced. Oh, I'm going to mispronounce, mispronounced. Go ahead. When you mispronounced garbanzo beans as garabanzo. That's right. We've heard a lot about that. Uh, heard a lot? <laughs> I get it on the street. I'll be pumping gas. People say garbanzo, hey, not garabanzo. Hey, it's garabanzo you know doc over there. I mean, it's like everyone in the world knows how to pronounce the bean but me. I'm just going to call it chickpeas and be done with it. <laughs> All right. Mari continues. But today I heard you say pepperoncini instead oh. of the correct pepperoncini oh. where the n oh. is pronounced oh i didn't know that poor pepperoncini. carl <laughs> really poor carl followed in your footsteps and i can just imagine you mean you mispronounce everyone it too? soon mispronouncing it yeah Pepper, is it pepperoncini pepperoncini it is? it is i had is to actually look it up again cuz i was a little surprised you, no no you were yeah you were certain i was very just right. you were you weren't sure you were like is this guy real? I just is that it? I googled it and yeah. I got and, and actually a, a, yeah. an audio clip of it. And actually, we're going to play. Do you want to hear like the, the actual clip. proper Italian pronunciation right. of, of pepperoncini? This? Pretty close. Let's hear it, Brad. Pepperoncini. Oh, Ooh. pepperoncini. That's good. Okay, now I say pepperoncini. There you go. That's every it. time you have to say that every time that way. Let me hear it again. Pepperoncini. Pepperoncini, pepperoncini. <laughs> now, do they always have like men with baritone voices when they actually do the pronunciation that's on the a, computer? That's a good question. I mean, sometimes it's a usually it's a woman. It's uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. well, but this Siri, time was a sh- well, series of series woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's a woman. Alexa's Alexa's yeah. woman, Alexa, right? Well, ah, well. Alexa. Uh, uh, it's not Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks. Thanks, Mari, for that. And speaking Thank of the you. grammar police, this helpful email came to us from Harry in Rock Falls, Wisconsin, who helpful. wrote. I, who judges if it's helpful? Oh, we have so many grammar police out oh, here. Right. I had to, put, I had to right. fit two into this that's segment. Right. Okay. All right. Harry writes, I heard this quote somewhere. You can have friends or you can correct their grammar. <laughs> Harry goes on. The obvious, the obvious corollary is, quote, to avoid divorce, simply smile at your spouse's faux pas. End quote. And something I learned here is the plural of faux pas is faux pas, actually. Faux pas. Yeah, faux pas. Oh, faux pas. Oh, just add the S on there. Okay. Or it's already there, I guess. You just okay. don't pronounce yeah. it when it's pronounce? singular. Faux pas. Faux yeah. pas. All right. Wait, the S is on there and you don't pronounce it? Well, you, don't you say faux pas if it's just one yes, thing? Yes, faux pas. But if it's multiple faux pas. Yeah, faux pas. Faux pas, faux yes. Pas. Faux pas. Anyways, faux would, pas. You like to, <laughs> would you like to join the ever-growing Grammar Police? Just post on our Facebook page or send us an email at... Zorba at WPR.org or, of course, through Facebook. We have more of your calls to come. Zorba will answer more of your emails. And we'll be cooking up some avocado toast with smoked salmon. Sorry. That sounds great, doesn't it? He's, you're so excited. You're, drum, you're drumming, <laughs> I know, drumming you on your it. table. You got it. You got it. You <laughs> All got right. It. All that coming up on Zorba Pasture on Your Health from PRX. Carl Christensen filling in for Tom Clark on Zorba Pastor On Your Health. The number to call is 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. But before we get to our phone calls, let's do the recipe. Yeah. What, what do we have here? Avocado toast with, with smoked, smoked salmon. salmon. I love avocado. I love smoked salmon. And I love toast. I mean, they, I love toast. It hits it yeah. all for yeah, you it then. Hits all. It hits all. Do you like and? And I like it. No, with. It's, it's very with. inclusive. It's with. Avocado toast with oh. smoked salmon. <laughs> I, should, I should read this yeah, thing a little better. Read the script. <laughs> pay attention. Stay on task. That's what your teachers told you That's right. when you were young. Yeah. So start out with one-third cup of mayonnaise. One-third cup mayo. Two tablespoons of sriracha sauce. And if I am mispronouncing it, please <laughs> we will hear from you. let me – tell me the way to pronounce sriracha sauce. I mean it's got the R right after to the S, and so it's hard for me to get my, you know, get my organic brain around it. Uh, two tablespoons of soy sauce, a tablespoonful of fresh lime juice, only fresh. Do not use reconstituted. 
one big tea freshly squeezed lime juice. A tablespoonful of fresh lemon juice, and you're going to use a little more. All right, one big tea fresh lemon juice. Three cucumbers. Now, the cucumbers you use, coarsely chopped, I would generally recommend a Persian or an English cucumber. They are smaller on the inside. The seeds are a lot more. Uh, the seeds, I believe, are smaller, but that the pulp on the inside is not as watery. Three cucumbers, coarsely chopped. An avocado, coarsely chopped. One avocado, coarsely chopped. A tablespoon of fresh, uh, finely and freshly chopped pickled ginger. So you got to get pickled ginger. If you don't have pickled ginger, you could use regular ginger and you could uh, scrape regular ginger and use a zest, uh, you know, a zest scraper to get a tablespoonful. So you could use fresh ginger. One big tea, finely chopped pickled ginger. Some kosher salt. Kosher salt. Four ounces of smoked salmon torn into bit sizes. Four ounces smoked salmon torn into bite-sized pieces. Four slices of your favorite bread. It could be country-style bread. It could be whole wheat bread. It could be sourdough bread. Lightly toasted. Four slices of bread. Dealer's choice. Lightly toasted. Dealer's choice. <laughs> Do you have a bread so dealer? Got, yeah, a bread dealer, right. I'm thinking Who's your guy? Cards on bread dealer. That's right. Dealer's <laughs> choice. That's right. Come to the house. Open up the coats. Open up the briefcase. And they deal with bread. Toasted bread. sesame seeds, uh, which you can also use. If you don't have it, you don't need it. But right. it's really good to have. Toasted sesame seeds. <laughs> That's exactly. What would be your toast that you would use here? I like sourdough when it gets yeah, toasted. Like That's usually pretty tasty. Okay, let's make it. So mix the mayonnaise, sriracha, oh, I'll never pronounce this, sriracha <laughs> sauce in a small bowl until well combined. Spicy mayo aside. It's off on the side there. Now mix the soy sauce, lime juice, lemon juice in another bowl just to combine it and set this what do you call this? Ponzu sauce. Is that what it's called? I believe so, yeah. Okay. And set this aside. This is called ponzu sauce, P-O-N-Z-U. It's going to be on the test, so you have to memorize it because it will be on the test, and you get extra credit if you pronounce it correctly and spell it. Did Bernie Madoff create ponzu sauce? Yeah, Just I know. That, you, oh. We'll edit that out. Oh, <laughs> place the chopped cucumbers, chopped avocado, chopped pickled ginger in a medium bowl, season with kosher salt, squeeze a little fresh lemon juice over that, that's that little extra lemon juice, and then move it around so that you kind of mix it to do there. Now, dip the smoked salmon in with the bite-sized pieces in the reserved ponzo sauce, add it to the bowl with a cucumber mixture, toss it gently until it's sort of generally put and distributed throughout, then spread some spicy salmon mayonnaise over four slices of the bread, lightly toasted, top with the salmon mixture, drizzle a little bit of the ponzo sauce over it, sprinkle with tossed sesame seeds and a little bit of crumble if you want to, toasted seaweed on the top if you're into that. And that is delicious. And let me tell you something. It looks like a lot of work because it is a lot of work to actually put it together. <laughs> but if you love avocado and you love smoked salmon and you really want to serve something special on a Sunday to your friends, this will cut it. I like that. This, this will cut will it. Cut it. <laughs> and you can get this, of course, on the web at zorbapastor.org. That's zorbapastor.org. Of course, you can always look to that, and you can see wonderful pictures, find other stuff, and, of course, you can find us on Facebook. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. We're going to go back to those phone calls right now, and this is a listener in El Paso, Wisconsin. Hi. Hi. How are you today? Pretty good. How can we help you today? Well, I've got two questions. One is a possible treatment for an injury that I have, and the other one is how to negotiate uh, um, negotiate and be able to talk with the right medical staff or the right medical person. Sure. So, what kind of injury? A few years ago, this is almost three years ago now, um, my wife has horses and a mule, and mm -hmm. one of the horses stepped on my toe. Oh, gosh. And uh, damaged right at the base of the nail. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I got a big blood blister underneath it. And I've gone now. I, I normally am a very healthy 75-year-old, mm -hmm. and I normally only go to the doctor twice a year for my wellness checks, mm -hmm. okay. or once a year mm -hmm. for wellness checks. And the first wellness check after that, I brought that to the attention of the doc. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, it's going to take 12 to 18 months for that to grow out. Mm -hmm. Oh, the nail. Since we, for the nail to yes, grow out. He said, we're just going to have to let it go and see mm -hmm. what happens. Mm -hmm. Second wellness check, and a year later, 
Doc thought it might be a fungus type thing. Mm -hmm. So he gave me some fungus cream, Mm -hmm. clotrimazole or something like Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. And it seemed to have an improvement, but then that eventually lost its effectiveness. Mm -hmm. So now I'm to my third wellness check, and I said, we've got to do something about this. So I got a referral Mm -hmm. to a foot doctor, and it was apparently a foot and ankle man, not a podiatrist. Uh Uh-huh. And um, after taking x-rays, which I didn't understand, but he took Mm -hmm. x-rays of ankle and foot Mm -hmm. and various things, I really came to no conclusion other than, well, I suppose we could take the nail off. Mm -hmm. So now I'm trying to determine, okay, where do I need to go next? Mm -hmm. And I've tried to work through the, the lines of communication to get to somebody that I can simply ask a question. This is what I have. Are you the person I need? deal with this. Well, uh, first of all, so does the nail bother you? Does it hurt? What's going on with the nail? Well, it's now the the mm-hmm. blood blister, basically. There's two aspects of that. One is that it's underneath the nail, but it's near the top of the nail. It's mm-hmm. kind of worked its way to that point. Mm-hmm. And occasionally it gets re-injured because I stub my toe. or oh, it gets re-injured. Uh-huh. That type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so it gets re-injured occasionally. Mm-hmm. It generally... On a day-by-day basis as I'm working or mm-hmm. doing whatever, I don't yeah. feel it unless I have the wrong pair of shoes on mm-hmm. or, like I say, I stub it or something mm-hmm. like that. So, first of all, quite often after there's trauma to the nail or the nail bed, a number of things happen. First of all, often a fungal infection fits in. Uh, there is a there is a pill, Lamisil, L-A-M-I-S-I-L. It's now, it's now a generic, 250 milligrams once a day for 12 weeks. And 80% of the time, it'll get rid of fungal infections. And uh, for the 20% where it doesn't, if they take a second course of, uh, of the pill, it'll get rid of it. But about 10 or 20% of them never, they just don't go away. So first of all, the cream doesn't do much. Creams really don't work on nails. They don't do it unless you've got something called Penlac, P-E-N-L-A-C, and it's a nail polish that you put on. I think it's every day. I don't know exactly. I mean, I don't prescribe it very much, so I don't remember how often you put it on. Second of all, I think you need to see a podiatrist, and you can go see a podiatrist by yourself, I believe. 75, you're on Medicare. I believe you don't need a referral. If not, call up your doc and say, I want a referral to a podiatrist. I don't want to see an orthopedic surgeon. That was not going to do anything for that. Uh, and then finally, the podiatrist may look at the nail and say, let's start over again. Let's remove the nail. There's nothing wrong with removing the nail. It is painful. Don't get me wrong. But remove the nail and see whether or not uh, it grows back in a normal fashion. Now, if it doesn't, then they podiatrists also can get rid of the nail bed. They get rid of it. You don't have a nail on your on your toe. Well, you're not going to be going to you know the beach at Cannes, the Cannes Film Festival, where people are going to be looking at your nails, and you really don't need that nail in order to walk correctly. But a podiatrist is the one who's going to look at it. They see this stuff all the time, and you should just get up, call your local podiatrist, and say, "I have Medicare and Medicare Part B. Do I need a referral?" Once again, I never answer insurance questions. And if they say yes, call your doc, get a referral. If they say no, just go in and see them. You need to be on a pill, probably, and you need to have the nail removed. That's what I would do with you in my office. It was Lamisil, though, right? Mm-hmm. Lamisil is the name of the, the the name brand of the pill, right? Okay. Thank you for the information. It's uh, enjoyable to talk to you every week. Thank you so much. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. Uh, let's go to a voicemail now. Let's go to Wabasha, Wisconsin. If the flu starts in the Southern Hemisphere, how long does it take to work its way up here to the state? The reason I ask is, I believe the flu spikes here in the fall and winter. And if it does get here quickly, that means it would be starting in the Southern Hemisphere in the spring and summer. What can you tell me about this? Well, it's not their spring and summer. It's their fall and winter in the Southern Hemisphere. So it's our spring and summer, but it's their fall, you know, it's their fall and winter. And why it does this, I don't know. I've never read an explanation of what it is, but it's, you know, it's interesting. It's sort of like a bird migration. It's a viral migration hmm. that has continued throughout the world 
for all of these years. It may have to do with transportation. I don't know if it's worse since World War One. I. I mean, we've had transportation to that, but it continues around the world. So, I mean, our flu, you know, is is here in our winter, and then it heads over there into into their winters. So, I don't know, for instance, if they do their viral, they make a they make a decision and their immunizations based on what our flu season is. And my guess is that's exactly what they do because it's our winter that then becomes the time that our flu then travels into their winter. Hmm. Interesting. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. Just a quick fun fact, Zorba, about Wabasha, Wisconsin. Wabasha. Have you heard of Wabasha? I have. Have you ever seen the movie Grumpy Old Men? Yes. The setting of that movie was actually Wabasha. Was it in Wabasha, Wisconsin? They didn't Wisconsin? shoot it there, but that's what the, the characters lived in Wabasha, Minnesota. But why didn't they, why didn't they shoot it there? I don't know. That's a good question. Where did where did they shoot it? Probably in Cal- I'm guessing in Probably Los in Angeles. Cal- in Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. But they knew. Did they go to Wabasha, Wisconsin? I mean Wabasha, Minnesota? To shoot it? Yeah. I no, no. Oh, to, like, to, to find out if that was really what life was like. Like to location scout it? I'm not really sure. Well, That's you know something? I should do I more bet, reading. Uh, or somebody will chime in <laughs> at zorbapastor.org and let us know. All right. Before we take a break, Zorba, let's do that segment where we give some of your naysayers some airtime. This is Disagreeing with the Doc. Disagreeing with the Doc. All right, Zorba. The following voicemail came from a listener named Marisano from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, who writes, Dear Zorba, I was just listening to an episode of your program in which you derided, derided or derided? I'd say derided. I'd say derided. 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 Derided, derided, derided a, sounds like it. No, it sounds French. Derided. Derided. Yeah, 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 derided. <laughs> you derided a listener who wrote in claiming that one should not use tap water to rinse their sinuses on account of its possible contamination with amoebae. And by the way, amoebae is plural. You probably knew this. No, for I amoeba. didn't. Amoebae. Oh, I didn't I had to know look that amoebae. up too. Yeah, they, they got it right yeah, in here. Yeah. It sounds like a pinball machine. Amoebe. Amoebe. <laughs> a lot of plural stuff Pacino, today. Pacino, amoebe. We had faux pas, faux pas. That's right. Of, yeah. Amoebe, amoebe. Plural and hearty yeah. over here. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Marie Sano continues, according... Plural and hearty. <laughs> you know something? Your brain works in strange ways. Maybe there's amoebe in, in my brain <laughs> causing these... <laughs> Terrible puns. Come on. I can't stop. Anyway, Marisano continues. uh, According to the CDC, it turns out that listener was correct. Amoebe can be pretty tough customers, so I wouldn't automatically discount them. And then he also sent uh, a link and some research on this exact issue, which you read. So so we looked at the link. So first of all, let's look at, uh, at where the problems have. So according to the CDC, between 1962 and 2022, that is 60 years, there have been approximately 157 cases, 157 cases over 60 years of amoeba essentially going into the brain and having trouble. Okay. 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 Now, where do these amoeba come from? So the amoeba come from if you're in the water and there happen to be amoeba in the water. In other words, you're swimming in contaminated water. Or your tap water is contaminated with amoeba. Which happens, uh, apparently. Uh, uh, a little bit. Which happens a l- in – well, no, no, let me explain. It happens in places where people know it's contaminated with water. Okay. It, ha- it, can ta- it can happen in very rustic areas. It can definitely, just like Giardia, happen in certain wells and other things. Okay. So the CDC – in their infinite conservatism, and they, they are conservative and they should be, has recommended boiled or distilled water preferred. For right? using an eddy Okay, pot. but I want to get back to boiled. Right? right. And if not boiled, it should be sterile or distilled. If boiled is not available, you should use a filter. Okay, so you could use a filter on your neti pot. So let's look a little bit deeper at what the CDC recommends. So if you boil it, it means it's not going to have amoeba, Okay. Now, if you're using city water, city water tests for amoeba. They test all the time. They test for giardia. They test for amoeba. The chances of an urban water supply having amoeba are small. They okay. are not zero, right. but they're probably less than 0.01% within the country. Now, with a well, it kind of depends where you are. In southern states, there are more amoeba problems than in northern states, especially in the summer. 
Now, if you use boiled water, you get rid of the amoebas. It doesn't have to be distilled. Uh, If you're using sterile water or distilled water, you want to get it, that's fine. If you're using bottled water that you buy, it's not going to have amoeba in it because they check it with that. Okay. So I think it's – I want to go back on my derision. I shouldn't have derided it. I think choose your tap water correctly. But if you want to be super safe, just get a bottle of water and use a bottle of water. That's going to be easier. Distilled water, you got to get the jug. It's eight pounds. You have to bring it home. It does not have to be distilled. Bottled water is fine. And you can get bottled water anywhere in the country for a buck. That's good advice. Are you looking? You mean for, that it only costs a buck? Uh, just to use, yeah, just to use. I filtered mean, we've got, or I mean, I've water. got bottled water right here. What do you have in front of you? Seltzer. I don't. I'm not going to use seltzer, seltzer water. In my nose. Seltzer with <laughs> cherries. That's it's, what you're drinking. This it's a morning? black cherry fizzy it's a water. Black cherry fizzy. I don't think I'd put that in my nose. No. Okay. No fizzy water. No fizzy water no. through the nose. That's good to know. I'm trying to think of what it would smell like. It would be terrible. I do use a neti pot with fizzy water. Maybe that would be a better neti pot. Now that I think about it, if you use carbonated water, I wonder what that would do to you. Anyway, let's, I wouldn't even let's try not that. go there. Don't even su- – no. yeah, let's not even <laughs> – Are you looking for people to listen to some quality nasal hygiene tips? Well, sign us up. Just post on our Facebook page or send us an email at Sorba at WPR.org. I said you should have gone into advertising you know, from Mad Magazine. Okay, okay. More of your calls to come, more of your emails, and another interesting topic to discuss. All that coming up on Zorba Pasture on Your Health from PRX. Carl Christensen filling in for Tom Clark on Zorba Pastor on Your Health. The number to call in anytime is 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. But before we get back to those phone calls, Zorba, the headline on this one got me. So here's the headline on this topic. I got it. I got it. Go. go Why chocolate feels so good, it is all down to lubrication. Yeah, no, it's it's really is interesting. Do you like chocolate? I love chocolate, yeah, I especially love chocolate. really dark chocolate. Yeah. Do you love dark chocolate? Love it, yeah. yeah. Do everyone in your family likes chocolate? Yes, Your for wife sure. likes chocolate? She does. Your yep. mom and your dad like chocolate? That's I'm not sure about that. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't I don't really know. noticed them yeah, eating I chocolate loved, I love chocolate. You know about Montezuma? I mean, you know, it was the drink of the gods and it was bitter. They, oh, nobody okay. had ever put sugar. They didn't know, there was no chocolate candy. Ah. You know, they didn't make anything sweet out of it. And then I don't remember the exact history of who made, you know, added sugar to it. And all of a sudden it's, oh, my God, look at this. Changed it's everything. It changed everything. But scientists were kind of looking at the process of really trying to make a healthier chocolate. Can you make a chocolate that has less fat and less calories? And that's kind of what they're looking at. And, and fat clearly played a role. And it appears that when fat comes into contact with the tongue and after that the cocoa particles are released that that's an important part of when we have chocolate we think of chocolate as smooth Mm -hmm. and delicious and creamy Mm -hmm. i mean if you've i don't know if you've ever like put cocoa on your tongue it doesn't taste really very good at all right it's kind of a bitter taste you know which it has it and chocolate but chocolate has from five percent fat really up to fifty percent fat and if you look at the fat in typical chocolate that we americans eat out of out of uh, chocolate bars by the way what's your favorite chocolate bar i don't know the brand names usually some kind of oh what is it? oh you don't know the brand names? I, 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 how could a, you not know there's the a brand handful names? that i rotate in oh, you know but they're I always mean, really dark i mean i'm a hershey's chocolate person i love that's not dark hershey's enough chocolate. even the special dark it's yeah not no dark i like milk me. chocolate hershey's or snickers snickers i mean it's a classic snickers i mean it's a, you know i go yeah. to it. but but if you're going to dark chocolate you know then i'm going to the more expensive chocolate and dark chocolate is good but i like that lighter taste but luxury chocolate often is what they're looking at. They're looking to make a dark chocolate to find out if they can make something that works. And what they found out, when chocolate is in contact with the tongue, it releases a fatty film that coats the tongue and other surfaces in the mouth. And it's this fatty film that makes the chocolate feel smooth throughout the entire time the chocolate is in your mouth. 
So they believe that if they can make a chocolate candy that is gradient layered, so there's more fat on the outside and less fat on the inside, that'll give you the chocolate that you love, the dark chocolate that you crave with less fat. Okay. And I'm all for that. I'm all for that too. I mean, chocolate is manufactured. It's made. Why not make a better chocolate? Why not make a chocolate that's healthy that we can have every single day? It's not a chicken in the pot in everyone's pot. It's chocolate in everyone's mouth for good health. That sounds great. I'm all for that. I would vote for that all day long. (laughs) And it's funny. I have a, you know, going back to the whole mouthfeel of chocolate, I know somebody who is trying to convince me you know, there's a sensation that that's exactly yeah. what you're talking about when you first take that bite of chocolate. It is, you know, that chocolate. first bite. This person, there's also yeah. a sensation when you get into a hot shower, you know, like uh, right yeah, when right, the water right. hits you, there's yeah. kind of a it's tingling kind of nice. or a sensation. Yeah. Yeah. So what this mm-hmm. person does, yeah. and I won't say their name, yeah. they were trying to convince me to eat chocolate, eat chocolate right, take a bite of dark chocolate Just as, you get in, as you hit the as, hot water in the shower. As you shower, hit the hot water in the and shower. And it's like this double and sensation. Like the, oh, well, try. Have Is this a little it? too spicy for have public radio, it? maybe? No, but I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. No, I'm going to, maybe I'll try it. Depends on the kind of chocolate. If you get chocolate with spice in it, would be spicy. Which is, I've had that. That's great. That's pretty good. I've had that. I've had chocolate with peppers. Little peppers in there? Chocolate. Love it. Love chocolate. Every time. My mouth is watering. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. Let's now hear a voicemail. This is a listener in Cronenwetter, Wisconsin. My question is, uh, after people have stints, a lot of times they're told that that stint will last only 10 or 15 years. Why don't they do a screening of people uh, at 15 years out or so to make sure that they are not in need of another stint. Thanks. That, by the way, is a, is a good is a good question. It's not just stents. It's cardiovascular disease. And the answer is, in order to actually screen and find out, you would actually have to go in and do a cardiac catheterization. Well, cardiac catheterizations are a big issue. They're not a small issue. First of all, you'd have to have a slew more cardiologists to actually do it. Second of all, they're very expensive. Third of all, cardiac casts carry a significant risk with them. It's a small risk, but there's a risk that you're going to actually do some harm when you actually do a cardiac catheterization. And there have been studies that have shown that it doesn't actually do anything. That the most important thing after you have a stent is lifestyle changes, medication. So in other words, when you have a stent, uh, you're often put on aspirin. Many people are also put on a drug called Plavix. You have to make sure your cholesterol is low. It's got to be on a drug like Crestor or Lipitor, and I'm using the name brands, but they're both, they're both generic now. You've got to stop smoking, drink less alcohol, do the lifestyle changes, eat a more Mediterranean. All that stuff turns out to mean it's less likely the stent will clog. But remember, even if the stent doesn't clog, you may get clogs in other part of your heart because the clog was there because you have cardiovascular disease genetically or, you know, the fact that you smoked cigarettes and did other things when you were younger. So the answer is not to look at the stents, but to look at the body and to make sure that's the case. So that's why we don't go back and retest. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right, Zorba, let's crack open the Zorba Pastor On Your Health inbox and take a listener email. The following question came from Liza in Chicago, Illinois. Liza writes, Hi Zorba, we hear a lot about the opioid epidemic, but can you share what you know about the rising benzodiazepine epidemic? My husband took Xanax as prescribed Mm -hmm. for 20 years. He began deteriorating, consulted the internet, and discovered he had developed a physical dependence, which his psychiatrist laughed at. That medicine should have never been prescribed for more than two weeks. He followed the Ashton Manual to wean himself off Xanax, and it was the most horrific thing I have ever witnessed. Uh He is basically Uh brain injured, Uh an acquired brain injury, Uh crippled with terror, anxiety, physical problems. He's on disability Uh and unable to sleep. Uh Why isn't more about this being covered in the United States? The UK is light years Uh ahead of the US in understanding benzodiazepines. There are online communities filled with these poor folks. Can you please start educating people about this? Well, there are a lot of issues. First of all, uh, if we look at the progenitor of the benzodiazepines, it was Valium. 
And Valium was sold, was the number one drug in the world for about 10 years. And it was given mainly to women. It was saying, women, you have trouble. Your life is having problems. Suburban women, that's actually where the advertising to doctors came from. Hmm. You know, you have a suburban woman, put her on Valium, five milligrams, four times daily. And she'll be much better. She'll feel much better. And then all of a sudden, we're talking about 20, 30, 40 years ago, we realized essentially that benzos were not good. We went to short-acting benzodiazepines such as uh, alprazolam and uh, lorazepam, Xanax being uh, one of those, the name brand of that. And we do have some people on it. Now, the idea that you can only be on it for two weeks is not true. It's better used in the short term. That's true for many people. But for some people, they actually need to be on it and it works well. But that number of people is smaller and smaller and smaller than we used to do. And frankly, most physicians, many good physicians, are giving much, much less benzodiazepines now than they did years ago. And when you mix a benzo with an opioid, you increase the risk of sudden death from the opioid. Hmm. So the idea is not to have people on benzo when they're on opioids. And for some people, they actually need to be on both of those. Now, I can't talk to this particular case, but what's important is that if he's still suffering, he should see a psychiatrist who's, who relates to this and understands this because she said, what did she say exactly? Uh, the psychiatrist laughed at him. Clearly. That's the wrong psychiatrist to see. There are other psychiatrists, if he's suffering from anxiety, there are many, many drugs that are very useful for anxiety. If he's disabled from anxiety, there are safe drugs to use in the antidepressant field and in the antipsychotic field that work very well for anxiety. He needs to get help. Do you have a health question for the good doc? Just post on our Facebook page or you can always send us an email at Zorba at WPR.org. 800-462-7413 is the number to call anytime. That's 800-462-7413. All right, let's hear another voicemail. This is a listener in New York. I am an absolute fan from New York State. Love you both. My question, all of you, my question is, I just heard Dr. Zorba say when he's talking about drinking sugarless drinks, you know, diet sodas and things, that it changes your biome. If you have saccharin all the time, blah, blah, can it make you pre-diabetic? In other words, sugar is related to pre-diabetes, and does it change you so that you are then can be diagnosed with, with pre-diabetes? Thank you. I feel great joy when I listen to your show. Thanks so much. How nice. What a wonderful, what Very a wonderful, nice. what a wonderful voicemail. Well, first of all, I hate the term pre-diabetes. And I hate it because it implies you're going to get diabetes. It's like pre-diabetes, diabetes is down there. Turns out most people with pre-diabetes do not develop diabetes if they make lifestyle changes, exercise more, eat less sugar, eat less carbohydrates, you know, go on a healthier, a healthier regime, you don't get diabetes. So it's not really pre, it's may get diabetes. We need to have a different term there. Uh, second of all, we know sugar does it. There's no evidence that saccharin, stevia, sucralose, or NutraSweet uh, are actually going to actually going to produce diabetes. But we think they may change the biome uh, of the of the colon and maybe of the intestine, and actually not attenuate appetite, but increase appetite. So, in mm. other words, you taste something sweet, and your body says, "Where's the calories?" and we start eating. And I think that's the point. The point is the rise in obesity parallels the rise in Diet drinks. And notice, Coke Zero doesn't call it Coke Zero. I mean, they, they no longer call it Diet Coke. They call it Coke Zero. Gave it a better name and people will drink it. 800-462-7413. That's 1-800-462-7413. All right, before we head out today, Zorba, let's do the segment where we feature what our wonderful listeners are writing on the Zorba Pastor On Your Health Facebook page. This is... Facebook feedback. Facebook feedback. All right, Zorba, the following question came from Kathleen in Pound, 
Wisconsin, who writes, I've been to Pound. I've, been, I've never been to Pound. I've I don't think I've pound. even heard of Pound. I've been to Pound. Where's Pound? We had patients from Pound. Somewhere away from Madison. Okay. I have no memory of where it is. <laughs> kind of up north to the right. I think you're right That's on that That's somewhere answer. to the right. Yeah. I had patients who moved to Pound and came back from Pound, and I went, to, I went through Pound. Okay. I don't know if I stopped in Pound. but Anyone from Pound? Please email us. That's Let us right. know. Where That's is right. Pound? It's near Ounce. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, sorry. It was typically a comment you would make. You couldn't wait to say no, that, I couldn't could wait. you? Right. Is, okay, <laughs> Kathleen says, is colloidal silver safe to use on your lips? I have a red rash around my lips after traveling to Antarctica. I wore a lot of sunscreen, but my lips were badly burned. I went to a dermatologist mm-hmm. and was given triamcinolone. 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 Mm-hmm. Acetonide. Uh-huh. Did I get that one right? Yeah, we, we usually just call it yeah, triamcinolone. Okay, it's an ointment. Yeah, you don't need the second the second term. Okay. Yeah. Uh, TMC. We TMC. Call it TMC. And, and and she writes point zero two five percent. Point zero two five. Right. The right dose. That's right. good. But right. it wasn't effective. Uh-huh. Uh, my niece suggested the mm-hmm. colloidal silver. Uh-huh. Any suggestions? Uh-huh. And by the way, mm-hmm. I absolutely love your show. Mm-hmm. Very practical and useful. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, you could try it. You could see if colloidal silver will work. I certainly would try it for a while and see if that does it. It's going to take a while because it was burned mm-hmm. when she was in Antarctica, and a burn can take easily mm, six to twelve weeks to totally get better. So it may take may take a while, but she would try it. Just plain Vaseline on it, it actually is going to allow everything to heal. But definitely colloidal silver, I would try it. Thanks, Kathleen, for the Facebook question. And of course, our listeners can always send us an old-fashioned email at Zorba at WPR.org. See you next week, Zorba. Stay well, Carl. All right. Fine. (laughs) Fine. I will. I'll stay well. (laughs) If you missed anything during the show or you just want to stream the show online anytime, visit us on the web. At ZorbaPastor.org. Of course, you can always connect through Facebook. And don't forget, you can call us anytime. 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 That's right. 24-7. I thought we'd keep doing that for a while. 24-7. Anytime. Anytime at 800-462-7413. Zorba Pastor on Your Health is a production of Wisconsin Public Radio. That's right. not intended as a medical diagnosis. It is not. Please do check with your doc. You must. Our executive producer is me, Carl Christensen. That's right. Our technical director is Brad Kohlberg. He's sitting right over there behind the glass. That's right. Oh, he just gave us a nod. That's great. Oh, that was a nod? That was was an up nod. It went up. It was an up nod. Our theme, our theme music is by Leo and Ben Sidron. For Zorba Pastor, I'm Carl Christensen asking you to join us on the next Zorba Pastor on Your Health. Did you miss something on today's show? Simply go to ZorbaPastor.org to catch up on all things Zorba. There you will find recipes from the show, links to the Facebook page, Zorba's healthy living articles, and you can subscribe to the weekly podcast. On the web, that's ZorbaPastor.org.